This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Hey, Raw Beauty community. Today, I have a very exciting guest joining me. Jack Vanek is a self-made entrepreneur. She's a CEO, a total boss babe, the host and producer of two podcasts, one of which is like terrifying. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> and one that I'm, I just, I mean, I binge, everyone binges that as soon as they listen to the first one, you can't stop. You girls are amazing. If you haven't heard of The Lady Gang, podcast. I am so excited to be the one to get to introduce you to it. Jack has her own t-shirt line with sassy slogans that have been worn by Vanessa Hudgens, Joe Jonas, Ellie Golding, Cara Delevingne. I mean, like, come on. Are you (laughs) kidding me? Are you kidding me? I'm so excited to talk to you today about fashion and self-love and self-care and how you are managing all the things on your plate right now, Jax. Thanks for so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm barely managing everything. You know, <laughs> I feel like everybody is just on the brink of completely falling apart, especially now. So <laughs> I actually posted an IG story yesterday and I'm crying in it. Like <laughs> I saw, I saw. <laughs> it's 2020 is a wild year and yet there's still growth and life carries on despite everything that's going on. And so, you know, my first question for you is, You've got like two podcasts, a brand new line with Express. You are like full-time on IG and all over social and media and running your business. How are you doing it? You know, it's so weird. It's all I've known. I started my brand when I was 20 years old, 22 years old when I was still in college. And I've always kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit. I'm always doing a million things at once. It's really, really messy. I don't do it in order. I don't have a to-do list, but I'm always like dipping my hands in different things. And that's kind of just where I thrive. That's where I do my best work when everything is a little bit chaotic. I'm so glad that you mentioned that you started your brand when you were in your 20s because I actually assumed that you started your brand after Lady Gang and like after the exposure from the show and you were like, okay, how do I leverage that into a brand? But really that brand came first. Oh yeah. So I started it when I was in college. I went to UCLA, studied graphic design and I was obsessed with music. I fell in love with music when I was 15 years old. I loved going to concerts. I was obsessed with the Warp Tour. And I made all these friends that were musicians. And I'm like, well, I want to be on tour. I want to do this thing. But like, I don't have any musical ability. So what I did have was like a little bit of a following on MySpace that ages myself. And I kind of leveraged that and I made these rubber bracelets that had different words on them and I sold them out of my backpack at concerts and it kind of just blew up from there and the brand sort of was birthed itself. I had no plan. So wow, it's been a wild ride. That is So it started with rubber bracelets with words on it and now here you are today. (laughs) Like insane. What would you say is sort of one thing that allows you amidst everything that's going on right now in your life to 
continue moving forward without completely spiraling? Like, I mean, listen, I have spiraled more times in the past four months than I have in my entire life. I call it the hell zone, you know, when (laughs) everything just feels like it's like closing in on yourself. I have to say, and this is going to be so cheesy, but my boyfriend is like the biggest support system for me. He is so calming. He's just like the structure that I need in my life. And I don't know what I would be doing in this time in our lives if I didn't have somebody like him being like, Jack, it's not all going to fall apart. I swear to God. (laughs) You two are so cute. Would you say he's more organized than you are? Like, yes. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if you know anything about the Enneagram. Have you taken it before? Okay. So I'm an Enneagram. I'm a seven. So I'm just like the free spirit, just like floating around. And he's a nine. So he's like very structured and very calm. But he is the one that like, I mean, he puts every, everything has its place. He's the to-do list kind of guy. So we compliment each other really well. Cause I'm like, let's go do this thing. And he's like, let's figure out the logistics. I love it. I feel like my husband and I are the same. I'm tempted right now to take you, obviously, home office. I'm working in my bedroom. Yeah. Your bathroom, it's like my side of the sink is always this chaotic disaster. And his is like a bottle of Windex and his toothbrush. Like, he's always like, what the hell is going on over there? (laughs) It's so, it's so funny when men are like that. Cause usually you hear about like people's husbands and they're just like a disaster. Yes. But my boyfriend's actually moving here. He's from Arizona. He's moving to California as we speak. And he's like, Jack, we got to go through your pantry and we've got to go through all your stuff and organize some shit. And I'm like, you <laughs> so currently you're not living together like you're spending time together but you haven't lived together yet he's basically like lived here he's a musician so he's either touring or he's home and when he's home he just lives with me but he sold his house in Arizona and is moving out here and we're looking to buy a house together so that's where we're at in our journey yeah. exciting another transition to add to the mix of 2020 I know why not throw another wrench in there who cares <laughs> Uh, so, okay. On this journey that you've had to the place where you are right now, you created your brand and started selling the bracelets and then that transitioned into the t-shirts. And then were you like traveling with the musicians as per your dream desire? Like living the golden life of a 20 year old, just free spirit? Yes. This is what I would like to call my glory years. (laughs) So I manifested a way to get on a music tour. I don't know if you know anything about the Warp Tour, but it's like a punk rock summer yeah. festival that used to happen. But for the Warp Tour, they would have vendors. So if you sold merchandise, you could get like a pop-up tent, 10 by 10 pop-up tent, pull your merch out of there. So I actually had to jump through a lot of hoops to do it because when I first tried to apply for the tour, there were some rumors circulating about me that I was a groupie and I was sleeping with all these oh. band members and I was oh. only on the tour because I wanted to hook up with guys. <laughs> But the funny thing is I was a virgin at the time. So it was this whole thing, but they eventually let me on the tour and then I outsold like everybody that was there. So I'm like, yes. Oh my, oh wow. I mean, the labels that are put on us as women. So you were hanging around and then you got the label of like, this is the groupie slut basically. Right. And in the meantime, you still hadn't even had sex. No. And the thing that I thought was so funny about it, it's like, 
they wouldn't ever, you know, go to a band guy that was on the tour a musician being like, Hey, we've heard you're sleeping around. Never, never. They don't give a shit. I mean, it's like part of the rock star life, right? Like go hook up with all the girls, even if you have a wife. So it was really interesting as somebody who I was just like, I love to be around and maybe make out with a few guys, but also who cares? Also who cares? Who gives a shit who, who I'm smooching as long as I'm doing my job. Yeah. And then you got your booth and you outsold everyone. Yep. It was a big F you to everybody there. So yeah, it's funny. It was like my first kind of real professional way of dealing with like sexism in the world. Yes. I mean, it's very prevalent and that is a perfect example of how it exists in so many different industries. How did you end up as one third of the lady gang? It's funny. Kelty Knight, who is my co-host, her and I have a mutual ex-boyfriend. He is a musician. I dated him when I was 18. She dated him after me, took my sloppy seconds. And we kind of like knew each other through, you know, the internet uh, back in the day. And she had this idea for a podcast back in the day before podcasts were even a thing. And her and Becca Tobin, our other hosts, were sort of like chatting about the idea. And Becca's an actress. And they're like, we need a third girl. Kelty's like, we need somebody cool. Which is like, I know who it is. <laughs> Kelty always thought I was so cool, which is so funny because I'm such a freaking dweeb. No, but you are so cool. You're thank really cool. you. They reached out to me and it was like during a point with my brand that was, I was like at a plateau. I was really uninspired, but I didn't know anything outside of it. So I didn't really know how to start something new. So it came out a really perfect time in my life to kind of you know, jump into a new project. And the rest is history. We started our podcast with, I had never met Becca before. So we just jumped right in, pretended that we were best friends and the rest is history. And off you went and ended up being reality TV star. (laughs) Don't remind me. (laughs) But you girls, I mean, it looks like you had a blast. Oh, it's so fun. Yeah. I mean, they're two of my closest friends in the world because we've learned about each other through the podcast. And it's funny, we don't really hang out outside of work at all because we do keep our relationship really professional. But during our professional relationship, we're talking about farting and like our periods leaking and like hooking up with a bunch of losers. (laughs) (laughs) All the things. Have you ever had any tension within that group? I feel like especially with a threesome, it's like, oh, are those two closer together right now? Or, you know, like, have you ever had, has there any other, ever been any behind the highlight reel moments, Real Housewives situations? Like, so, so no Real Housewives. We got super lucky and we work so well together. I don't know what it is. We never had a conversation about how we deal with conflict or anything like that, but we all just, we respect each other really well. We stay in our own respective lanes. And I mean, shit happens. And Kelty's a little bit of a loose cannon sometimes. So sometimes we have to like rein her back in where it's like, Kelty, maybe don't go on Facebook at two in the morning and have uh, your breakdown there publicly. But it's fine. I mean, we all kind of just understand how each other are and we figure it out. We've learned how to work with each other and how to avoid massive conflict in that way. Well, I think this is so important. I think women actually do know how to work really well together and do know how to get along. And there is this like perception of women not being able to cooperate and work together and the whole mean girl vibe and that we step on each other and that there's so much competition. That hasn't really been my experience of working with women or in my groups of friends. 
Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a stereotype, right? And you'll hear about it when it happens because it's usually an outlying situation. Yes. And it's also just finding your people too, whether that's your friends or your coworkers. And, you know, not everybody is going to be able to work with every personality, but it's sort of just surrounding yourself with people that you do work well with and that don't give you stress and anxiety like on, on the reg. I mean, this is very, very necessary and a great tip right there. Everybody take a look through your phone Rolodex right now. And if anybody's giving you heat or causing you anxiety, really take a moment to just consider whether that relationship is or needs as much airtime as it's currently getting. So right. question for you about your coolness. As <laughs> You're so cool. I have this new plan for the podcast moving forward where... I want to, hold on a second. Why is my microphone light not on? Uh-oh. <laughs> I hear you fine. I'm sure it's recording in the computer. Just being. Oh, now you sound better. That's fine. So, um, we'll just carry on. Whatevs. People will still be able to hear. <laughs> Okay, we got the microphone going. We got the well, the podcast tech is back on. The it's tech so really, it's so clear and crisp. Tech, tech team really dropped the ball there for a second. <laughs> okay, back to your coolness. So my new plan on the podcast is I'm going to get guests to coach me in an area that I oh. feel really excel in. Your fashion sense is out of this world. I sometimes feel like a bit lost and a bit insecure in the fashion world because I'm like, I just, I can't keep up. I feel like I don't have enough time to shop for all the things. I don't have enough money to buy all the things. Like it's hard to keep up with the number of like fashion bloggers and all their outfits and they're all different and they're all so cool. (laughs) Like where do I begin in kind of increasing my fashion confidence? Well, I think that one thing to do is only follow people with your body type. I think that that was like a huge thing for me and only follow people that make you feel good. I mean, a huge issue that I had when I was younger is following all these beautiful girls that like were so perfect and I'd see them in this outfit and it would just make me feel like garbage. So I think starting off with just following people that have a similar body type because if clothes are on them and they look a certain way, then they'll probably look similar to that on you. I also, I mean, I only dress cool like 5% of the time. Usually I'm in a sweatshirt <laughs> right now and leggings and I never wear makeup because it's annoying and it makes my face itchy. So it's like we're only seeing people's highlight reel on yeah. that. So I think it's like comparing yourself to that is just like a whole whole another ball game that we can yes. get into. Fashion wise though, it's just finding clothes that you actually feel good in, not following the trends. I don't know how old you are, but I'm 33 and it's like I don't think I can wear a tiny sunglass. <laughs> oh my god, I can't. It's not for me. The TikTok fashion is just maybe not not for our generation. <laughs> I love it though. Like I look at it and I'm like, I want to wear it. But then if I was to put it on, it would just be so ridiculous. No, I look like Mr. Potato Head with those on. (laughs) The girl who started Danielle Bernstein, I think it's We Wore What. Mm -hmm. And she always has her glasses at the end of her nose. And she's like so cute. So on the boat the other day, I took my sunglasses and I put them on the end of my nose. And my husband was like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Like, what are you, what? 
are you actually doing right now? And I'm like, I think this is the trend. He's like, absolutely not. No, stop it. Stop it. You know what? I did the same thing. I bought a pair of tiny sunglasses because I'm like, I saw I'm on a blogger who is probably 22 years old. And I'm like, this will look great. And then the first picture I took, I was like, nope. I was like, I look like, is it Neo from the Matrix? The one that has the... (laughs) the little tiny, tiny glasses, but this isn't for me. So I don't know. It's for me, it was just kind of finding clothes that made me feel good. And then also I didn't even understand the art of tailoring my clothes Mm. time. So I'd be finding these clothes, nothing would fit me correctly. And I thought something was wrong with me because of that. So actually learning how to buy clothes in a proper size and then tailoring them to fit my actual body, I think was like Mm. a big game changer in the world of fashion. Yes. I feel like you're just really good at having fun as well with your fashion. Like you don't seem to take yourself too seriously. You will put on a dress and then have like Doc Martens and you're playful with it as well. And yeah, I don't like people that take fashion too seriously. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's, it's a sense of like expression, right? And I guess yeah. if you're really a serious person and that's how you'd like to express yourself. But yeah, I always, I think my style is pretty like flirty and fun and I just want to like go out and have like a cocktail on a rooftop and that's that's where my inspiration comes from. And then also dressing like a nineties teen sometimes. (laughs) I feel like I've got that one down. So you just mentioned fashion and express and expressing yourself, which Mm. brings me to your new fashion line that you girls created with express. And you have so many cute pieces in this line. Did you actually design this stuff or does express come to you and they're like, what do you think of this yellow blazer and this cute flirty dress? And you're like, we like it. Or like how much work goes into this process? So we actually did design it and we designed it with a partner before we sold it to anybody. So we designed the collection ourselves and then reached out to X amount of people and express was the perfect partner for us and loved the collection as is. So it is cool because usually, you know, when those things happen, it's like, oh, well, you just picked out that one of five blazers and now it's the X blazer for you. Yes. But yeah, we actually designed it ourselves and it's been so cool. I mean, we're finally starting to see it on all of our girls because the pack are starting to arrive and people are posting their pics and it's so, it's just amazing. It's a new, it's a different feeling for us for sure. You killed it with this line. I'm obsessed with everything. And I also love that, and this is not an advertisement, by the way, I'm just literally sharing how I feel <laughs> about it. it. I love that it's so affordable. Like it is something where you could get a few pieces and you're not spending $5 million on something that's going to be potentially out of style a couple of years from now. So I, I think that you girls just did such an incredible job and I'm shocked that you actually designed the pieces, but also not shocked as well because it's Lady Gang and you do everything so epically. Well, one thing that we learned, you know, learned along the way and a big experience with the doing our TV show was kind of giving up a lot of control, like from our brand in a sense. So going forward, every project that we've done since then, we're like, we're not compromising a single thing about us to fit the mold of something else. Like we are doing it the lady gang way or it's not happening at all. So that definitely happened with the clothing line as well. So it's all us. I feel like you're pushing those boundaries as well on your Instagram page. You're obviously a beautiful woman, but you also love to do the odd butt clench. And if you don't know what I'm love talking butt about, clench. when I talk about, I love, I freaking love the butt clench. It brings me so much life. If you don't know what the hell we're talking about, I'll make sure I link in the show notes to one of Jack's butt clench videos. You're welcome in advance or photos, I should say. So talk to me a little bit about 
what has inspired you to butt clench and to show different angles on your Instagram feed? So the inspiration behind all of this, I guess kind of like stemmed from when I was in my 20s, I had a really bad relationship with my body. Like I've gone through a lot of periods of like disordered eating. I've am still dealing with a lot of body dysmorphia kind of stuff, a lot of body image problems. And when social media came around, like I said before, it's like I didn't even mean to, but all of a sudden my feed was just filled with all of these perfect women with perfect faces, living perfect lives. And I would just be sitting there on my couch comparing myself to everything and then standing in front of the mirror for five hours, picking apart the littlest parts of my face and my body. And like, why don't I have a tiny button nose and big lips and a huge butt and all this kind of stuff? So I kind of through this whole process of things, when I'd see a little bit of like reality on Instagram, I'm like, ah, I love it. Like, and whether that is like an outtake or it's like cellulite or it's like a full on body positivity post, I'm like, this makes me feel better. So throughout the whole process, I was like, oh my God, wait, but my feed is all these like perfect pictures. And maybe I'm that toxic girl to other people making them feel bad about themselves. So I sort of had a reality moment there where I'm like, okay, well, I have this platform now I want to sort of take responsibility for that and sort of try to be on the right side of things and try to be a little bit part of a solution rather than feeding the problem over and over and over again. So that's where I started kind of posting some of those outtakes. And I realized with my body type, maybe I'm not, you know, relatable to every single woman out there, but all I have is my own body and I'm working with what I've got. (laughs) Yes. And you are so relatable to so many people because I think at the end of the day, none of us as women can stand up or meet that perfected media image that is put out there for us to try and obtain. So regardless as to what your body looks like, the underlying messages here, like will never be good enough, even if you're in a smaller frame, even like, it's just until we believe that ourselves, and until we start to see it ourselves, like the media will never reflect back to us that we're enough because that's how they sell products. Yeah. Like lucky, lucky us. No. And it's like (laughs) what I've learned through that too. It's like, I was sort of having like an imposter syndrome moment with myself where I see myself as this way, but what I'm portraying to everybody is this completely different thing. And then I'm struggling with where do I lie within those two, that big spectrum of things. So it's not even comparing yourself to everybody else out there. It's comparing yourself to the avatar of yourself. Yes. Comparing your behind the highlight reel to your actual highlight reel as an individual. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, 
country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash raw beauty talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. Friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Pressing pause on my conversation with Jack for a second to chat with you about something that has been an absolute game changer in my life. You may have missed it, but a couple of months ago, I made a horrifying (laughs) discovery of a tampon that had been long forgotten, you know where. It was awful, but obviously I posted about it because I share everything with you girls. And I was absolutely shocked to find out that so many other women had had the same experience. So I obviously went looking for alternative solutions and I discovered Modi Body, a company that offers reusable period and incontinence proof underwear. At this point, you've probably heard about period proof underwear, but what I love about Modi Body is that they're the only brand with their own patented technology to ensure your safety. So there's no weird chemicals in the liners and they're 100% dependable, no leaks, eco-friendly and cost-effective starting at only $19 a pair. Modi Body is a no brainer ladies, no more missing tampons, okay? With tons of cute designs to choose from and sizes from 4XS to 6XL, it really is for every body. Our friends at Modi Body have kindly offered 15% off for a limited time when you use the code RAWBEAUTY at www.modibody.com. That's RAWBEAUTY at M-O-D-I-B-O-D-I dot com. All right, let's get back to the show. Did you ever go through a stage where, and even now, where you're using Facetune or changing your body shape or any of those things? Did you ever feel pressured to do that? I mean, I definitely was not a stranger to Facetune back in the day. I feel like everybody has had their moments with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was sort of part of my realization of wanting to sort of be on the right side of things is I wouldn't do anything crazy with Facetune. I would just be like, oh, like my arms pressed against my body in this picture. I'll just fix that little thing. Or like, maybe I'll make my waist a little bit smaller here. Yeah. Maybe like fix something going on with my face. Yes. But I, I gave that up when I started doing, you know, this whole behind the scenes thing. But again, it's like, 
when I post these pretty pictures, it's still the best photo out of a hundred that I make my boyfriend take and go on a knee to get a good angle and like all this kind of shit. So there's still that aspect to it. It's like, that's not just a candid. Yes. Yes. So there's that. It's like, it's such a nuanced thing where there's so many different aspects to why we post a photo on Instagram and what that means and how far that might be from the reality of how you feel about yourself. And I think it's okay and totally fine to take a great photo of yourself and to share that with the world. I just personally appreciate it so much when a couple squares down, you get a butt clench or you get a cellulite photo or you get the awkward posture. For me, that helps me connect that much more with the individual. Like what was the response when you started posting these things? And when you did your first one, were you nervous or were you just like giving the middle finger to society and you just put it out there like a badass? So I actually posted the first one when I was on vacation in Costa Rica last January, I think it was. And it was after I had this conversation on the podcast, interestingly enough, because I was complaining about social media and how these perfect girls are annoying the shit out of me. And Becca was like, dude, Jack, like this is you and you annoy the shit out of me on Instagram. So I was like, she called you out. (laughs) She loves to call me out. And I was like, shit. I was like, you're, you're right. So that was like the reason why I kind of posted the first one. Cause I was like, you know, and it was just kind of, it wasn't a butt clench. It was just me looking kind of like not the greatest versus like this like beautiful bikini photo of me. And the response is, it's always been amazing. But then recently I've gotten some trolls and I don't know if it's whether because now it's become more of a movement and other types of people are joining in and maybe people think that it's kind of getting derailed of what it used to be. But I've never really claimed to be part of the movement. Like I kind of sort of did this for myself and, and that's about, I never really had any sort of master plan with it, but it is interesting kind of seeing some of the comments with it, but it's like, I, you can't please everyone. No, you can't please everyone. I had a really interesting conversation with Stephanie Yaboa yesterday, actually. And she is this gorgeous plus size black woman And she was explaining to me the history of the body positivity movement because I was like, you know, I've just started to feel like when I post a photo of my body or that bad angle that I'm not really allowed to be part of the conversation Mm -hmm. because I am a relatively thin white woman. That being said, I've also struggled with eating disorders and body dysmorphia and binge eating and being hospitalized for it. Like they're very real problems that I had. And so she really graciously explained to me the background of the body positivity movement and how that was really a space for bodies that were no longer being showcased in media, that were not privileged, that were not accepted. And so it's not that we all came in trying to take that over, but subsequently by tagging everything with hashtag body positivity, we sort of, again, took a marginalized group and pushed them into the background. So she's now like, we've all just gone over to the hashtag fat acceptance because we know that you're never coming over there. Interesting. (laughs) It was so eye-opening for me to understand truly. And I think we're all having so many of these conversations, these eye-opening, like 
break you apart, see the other side of the picture. And she was like, you girls should keep talking about it. And your feelings are so valid. It's really just about what that space used to represent. It no longer does anymore. And so we've now had to find like a different space for ourselves and for that community. So you can listen to the whole interview over there, but it was, it was really interesting. No, that is super interesting. And that is kind of where I'm trying to navigate now too, because it's like, I do get such a good response from these photos and I feel like they do help some women out there. But then again, it's like, then I'll get some hateful comments as well. And I'm trying to figure out, and I never want to derail a powerful movement like that because I do realize my privilege with my body type and, and everything like that. But as you said, it's like eating disorders and body dysmorphia and your relationship with your body, like doesn't discriminate depending on what you look like. And when I was my most obsessed with exercise and diet is when I hated myself the absolute fucking most. Yes. So it's really hard to judge somebody else's relationship with their body when you know nothing about them. So, but that being said, it's like, there's that. And then there is where it's like, but I'm not going to try to insert myself into something that has a completely different meaning than that. I feel like those are two kind of different, completely different moments right there. Absolutely. I think it's just having these conversations, understanding one another, respecting the spaces and places that we're coming from, and then being able to move forward in support of one another from there, which is obviously the space where we as women really take the power seat and really like turn this conversation up to a whole new level. I'm curious, you you said your 20s were your glory years. Mm -hmm. I feel like my 20s were a combination of glory years and like gory years. Like, oh yeah. So good. Highs of highs, but also lows of lows. Mm. Hated myself, hated my body, a million body image issues, a million wrong men that I was dating. Oh and yeah. <laughs> so much insecurity, like poor as like bracking up all the debt on my credit card so I could go on that trip with my girlfriends or like oh, yeah. the other things. So for you, was your were your twenties all your glory days or were there like was there a roller coaster? I mean, I completely resonate with what you just said. Like I was living my best life, doing all the things, like professionally really excelling at such a young age. However, I had the worst relationship with myself internally. Like I hated myself and it was, you know, a very tumultuous decade of my life of trying to learn how to actually like myself in the quiet moments and enjoy the person that I am when like everything else fades away. So it was definitely a roller coaster of highs and lows, but all the lows were like super internal, like really internal, like me sitting up in bed at 4am looking in the mirror and scrunching the cellulite on my leg for three hours. So that's where I kind of like hit the low parts of that like relationship with myself. Where do you think you are now in regards to your relationship with self-love and your relationship with your body? I've grown a lot, especially in the past couple years. I used to hide behind my clothes a lot. The body dysmorphia is just like a whole different conversation, but I hid my body for a very long time. And it's only been in the past couple of years that I'm like, all right, like Jack, like if you think about myself, it's like showing as much skin as possible because I've kind of had this new mindset where it's just like, I don't know if I can cuss on this, but like, fuck it. I don't care. And I think the more that I'm sort of letting go of trying to control every little facet of my relationship with my body, a lot, I find myself having a lot more freedom there. 
and it's weird. I've never like gone to therapy or anything about like my relationship with my body. So I don't really understand what anything really means or is, but my relationship with my body body is great. My relationship with my face body is not great. Like that's where I feel like I still struggle a lot and I have a lot of like obsession over and I pick apart myself a lot. So, but it's all learning and I'm trying to get there like a little at a time. It is a journey. I've never heard somebody say it that way. My relationship with my body, body is good. And my face body is still a work in progress. And I relate to that. Actually, I do feel so much freedom in my body and just like gratitude and appreciation and connection to it. But I'm 35 now and things are starting to change. And I've had two kids (laughs) and I'm like, what the fuck is happening over here? And all of a sudden, everybody's getting Botox. Everybody's like getting lasers. There are a million different solutions. And I mean, I've had Botox a couple of times. I loved it. If I'm being completely honest, I felt very torn being the face of Raw Beauty Co., which (laughs) was never intended to be anti this or that, but like just so much inner conflict about what am I trying to represent here versus quick fix, which feels so good for being honest. Have you found in your world where you've been on camera and you know, you're constantly doing media that there's pressure for those types of things, the Botox, the lasers, the fillers, all that. Yeah. I mean, I'm no stranger to any of those things. Huge fan of Botox. Mine is starting to wear off right now and it's like really becoming a problem. There's a few things there. Yes, there is so much fucking pressure in Hollywood. I hate it. Like, I am not in the entertainment industry at all. My first taste of it has been through Lady Gang and then doing the TV show. I'm not a fan of this competition to look perfect amongst everybody else around you. But that being said, I do love Botox. I love a little filler when applicable. But when I go get these things done again with my face dysmorphia that's happening, like, I don't know what my face looks like. And I see a bad picture of myself and I'm like, I look like that. Like, I don't look like this pretty picture. I look like that. And then now I want to fix every little thing about my face. So I make sure when I do go get these things done, I'm going to a doctor that I trust that's conservative and that will help me look like the best version of myself rather than turning me into a Kardashian because that is not my vibe. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the end goal for you. Not, not the end goal. So interesting that you mentioned this about pictures because in the shift program that I run, one of the biggest triggers for women and their negative self-talk and their negative body image are are photos. Seeing a photo of yourself and just going like dark blackout. Is that really how I look? That's not how I feel or how I thought I looked. Picking ourselves apart. I mean, it can, as much as the scale can change or shift our whole day, a photo can as well. But what's wild about this is that a 2D photo of you where you can't see your expression or the laugh that's coming out of your face or the full moment that you were in has no ability to really reflect to you the individual that you are, how you look, how you felt to those around you. And yet we put so much weight in it. Right. I'm also like that with videos. Like it's so weird because I'll look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, okay, like this is fine. What's going on? And then I'll see a photo or a video of myself and I spiral and I go black and it's taken a lot to kind of not immediately go to a dark place 
while judging what I look like. And you had mentioned the TV show. And for me, like doing that whole experience was such a fast track in trying to let go of control of like what I look like in a a video or something. Because when we were testing for it, I was doing these media trainings and we'd do videos and I'd watch myself and I wouldn't even pay attention to what I was saying because I'm too busy bawling my eyes out thinking that half of my face is melting off. Mm. And it was such an interesting experience starting the show because I just had to let go of a lot of things. Like I can't control my makeup, what it ends up looking like. I can't control the lighting. I can't control the edit. I have to just be okay with how it ends up turning out because I can't change anything. So kind of relinquishing that control was an interesting moment for me. But so wild hearing you say this because everybody looking at you and watching you on video is just like, oh my God, she's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Can I just be her? Like, it's It's so crazy what our minds do and what those deep seated beliefs that are planted within us, usually before the age of five, how we carry those within us and then start to see ourselves through this lens that is not accurate anymore. I mean, it is something that I talk about all day, every day with (laughs) women. It's a very real phenomenon that happens. And it's scary because it's not accurate. It's so scary. And it's as much as I I hear that, I still don't believe it. You know, like I believe it because I believe what you're saying, but like, I'll still go and I'll see a picture of me today and I will get triggered and anxious from it. Yeah. And I don't know. Sign up for some raw beauty coaching. I'm so down. We're going to work on this. You can give, we'll do a trade. You can help me with my style and I'll help you with your vision of yourself and seeing this world. I need this so much. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What are your favorite forms of self-care on the whole self-care spectrum of things? What are your favorite forms? So, I mean, I love the sort of stay at home, sort of give yourself a spa day version of self-care, but also, like I said, I'm an Enneagram 7, and I uh, thrive off of adventure and off of doing things. So self-care to me sometimes is like going out and having a really delicious glass of wine at a nice restaurant with a view. Hell yes. That is something I've struggled with, with quarantine, not being able to do things. (laughs) Totally. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? I think a little bit of both. I'm like a selective extrovert. I have a very close-knit group of friends. Yes. And I love to go out and do things with these select group of people, but I don't really want to talk to anybody else outside of that. So... (laughs) When I'm comfortable, I feel like I'm an extrovert. And if I'm not comfortable, I kind of like crawl inside myself. Yeah. I mean, that. I think that's pretty standard human behavior. Yeah. Especially the people I'm finding that seem the most outgoing on IG or on the social feeds. When you start talking to them, you find out they're actually quite introverted in regards to how they recharge. Small groups at home in one place. And then like, they go out into the world and do all the things and then they come back and they retreat and they yeah. return and move forward from there. Well, that's funny. Like, I think that's what I've learned about myself during quarantine. Like I said with, you know, I want to like go out and have like a nice meal or something like that. My form of decompressing is literally having a nice drink while I sit with the one person that I like. And so it's like, I'm like sort of like a combo between the two. I don't know what it is. Oh my God. That sounds so good right now. Doesn't like, it? Just- 
give me a night out with a couple good girlfriends and a really good cocktail and a nice outfit. And I mean, I miss it. I really miss it. I, really I miss, miss it so much. <laughs> But we'll get back and then we'll be like, ah, I'm so anxious. There's so much to do and so many options and my calendar's so full and I just want to go back to like a quieter life. All I want to do is watch The Bachelor by myself. Yeah, I mean, yes. Okay, I'm going to just switch scenes for a second here. Okay. Everything we've talked about right now is the Jack that I knew from social media at mm-hmm. a very superficial level. Then I'm like researching and I find out that you also have a podcast called The First Degree. Yes. And I clicked on one social thing on the First Degree podcast Instagram page, like almost had to barf and was like, how does one put together a whole show like this of the scariest murders that are real life? You can't even tell yourself it's just a movie without having this like extreme existential crisis. You know, it's so funny. I feel like people are either true crime people or they aren't. Like, I find no anxiety around that genre of things in my life at all. I mean, I grew up watching Unsolved Mysteries. I would watch it all day, every day when I was younger. Yeah. I've always just had this fascination for murder and serial killers and true crime and and why people do the things that they do. So it's just always been such a fascinating thing for me. And that podcast for me, it's with two of my um, really good friends. That's been such a passion project. And it's so different than everything else that I do. (laughs) That It's just such a cool way to switch gears. And, you know, we have a lot of really interesting conversations on it. And it's just been such a delight to actually find success in that too, because I'm not a professional true crime person. My two co-hosts are, but I'm just like... I like it. I'll be a host. Fan and interested in it. I think yeah. I was interested in it when I was younger. And then I realized like, this is actually fucking scary. <laughs> I mean, there's a real threat. But you know what's so funny is I don't like horror movies at all. And I get way more spooked by watching a fictional horror movie than I do reading about the most infamous serial killer in the world. I don't know what it is. What are your beliefs around death? (laughs) (sighs) Did not prep you with this question. (laughs) I don't know. Think into this so much. You must have a really deep spiritual connection. Yeah. I mean, I do. I also, I mean, death is my greatest fear. The people around me dying is my greatest fear. This also, I think, is an Enneagram 7 thing is the inability to confront really tough shit. (laughs) I kind of put my blinders on with everything. But I mean, I do have more of a spiritual mindset when it comes to the concept of death and energy and what happens when we're gone. But But a little bit of a little bit of like, we're not gonna actually go there and let our minds like go there. And I'm probably not gonna get murdered. So let's just explore the fascinating mind of serial killers. Yeah. It's more so like diving into the psychology of things that I think is so fascinating. And the concept of, I became very obsessed with the concept of psychopaths because I dated one. (laughs) And uh, a lot of serial killers. I knew there was a root. I knew there was a root somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. I went on a deep dive after that one. But I just think that the mind is so interesting because I mean, the concept of psychopaths is the inability to feel empathy or a lot of human emotions that we all, I mean, live our everyday lives on and how, you know, they create these 
fabricated relationships and use everybody's pawns in their lives. And Mm. it's just so interesting to me. So that's what I kind of latch onto in the true crime world is, is why these people are doing the things that they do, what led them to do it. I mean, a lot of it happens. There's like a lot of childhood trauma that happens with things like that. And, but a lot of it, is it nature versus nurture? So a lot of those kind of conversations rather than like, am I going to get murdered tonight? That is the probability so- is low of you getting murdered, to be honest. <laughs> the media likes to present the fact that we're all going to die any second and scare the shit out of us. But Especially right. now. <laughs> the reality is, is that we're actually in this century safer living longer than we have in a really long time. But that's not necessarily the story that we hear day in and day out. I'm so fascinated by this. I am going to go listen to it because <laughs> the psychology behind it and that idea of nature versus nurture is very intriguing to me. I'm definitely somebody who thinks our incarceration system is broken and that so often the criminals of the world have just had awful childhoods and as you said, trauma. And so while there needs to be some reform and some like care taken for the safety of other citizens, we treat these so many of these people like they're the most awful, horrendous individuals when really they just didn't have the right system and support in order to like survive in this world in a normal way. Oh, Oh, I mean, and the justice system is broken in itself and there's people that are in jail for longer from, you know, selling weed than there are of people that have murdered multiple people. So, I mean, and then the death penalty is fucked. That whole thing is a different conversation, but everything is broken and everything is fucked up. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done to, to fix it. But well, I just love how you are expressing your creativity, leaning into your interests, everything from fashion to true crime, reality TV to butt clenching. I feel like you could do anything that you set your mind to and you're so inspiring to me and to, I mean, obviously so thousands of other women. So thank Thank you you so much for the work that you do and uh, for just showing up as yourself. Oh, you're the sweetest. Thank you so much. And thank you for doing all the work that you do because I mean, you're literally changing lives and it's incredible. Well, keep at it, girl. I cannot wait to chat more. If you're listening to this episode and you enjoyed it, copy the link, share it with a friend. Also take a screenshot, tag at Jack Vanek, tag at Lady Gang Podcast, tag at Raw Beauty Co. We will regram it. We love seeing your comments. Also, let us know if you're a true crime fan. I got to know who else is on this train as well. (laughs) All right, everyone. See you next week. And don't forget, our friends at Maudie Body are offering you 15% off for a limited time when you use the code RAWBEAUTY. You can click the link in our show notes and it will take you right to their shop where they offer so many cute styles. Girls, this is the way of the future. Our underwear needs to be working for us and this stuff works. I'm obsessed. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. 
Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.